0: In Isaiah 61, Jesus declared that he had been sent to bring freedom for the prisoners and to set the oppressed free. And throughout Jesus' ministry, we see his power to set free those that were imprisoned by their own sin and those that were oppressed by the sins of others. When Jesus died and rose again, he destroyed the power of sin once and for all, giving us free access to the love and power of God. In this Set Free series, we will provide the tools for each of us to identify the lies we have believed, to take hold of the truth that Jesus offers, and learn to walk in the power of the Spirit. Jesus came to set us free from whatever stops us living in the fullness of God's love and power. This morning, we are going to look at the whole area of bitterness Set free from bitterness, and I think bitterness is one of those those kind of issues that it's probably a, a little bit more subtle, a little bit more acceptable. You know, kind of holding a grudge against someone who's done you wrong seems to be okay, None not it? You know, kind of like, well, you know, they really you you were treated bad. You have every right to hold a grudge. You have every right not to forgive. You have every right to not uh, let that issue go but the reality is is that bitterness is like a toxic poison that sours our life and our relationships that's what happens when unforgiveness is undealt undealt with and bitterness takes hold and root in our heart when i was a late teenager um, I remember this one time when I came home after church on a Sunday with my family and uh, it was a sun, I remember it was a, a hot summer 's day Brisbane day humid you know very different to today. Um, it would have been around November December time when it gets really hot and muggy and well, it was our kind of routine as a family. We would go to church in the morning, then we'd come home, and mum and dad would get uh, the big Sunday lunch ready, and us kids would go outside and play because it was a big Sunday lunch. It used to take forever, so about an hour. So we'd just go out, and d- James is nodding. He's, he's from a, you know, a good pastor's home. Um, my dad's a pastor as well. Just the big, anyone else have big Sunday lunches? A few of you. It used to be the done thing, right? We still do it in the Circum House, so we go back to my parents' house for a big Sunday lunch. Anyway, it takes forever to get ready. So we, we, our, us kids would go out and play sport. We'd go play cricket. We'd play, play footy, whatever was, whatever the season was, and I'd get hot and sweaty. I remember this one summer's day coming in after an hour just before lunch, and I was sweating. I was wet, and I was des- in desperate need for a drink. So I would go into the kitchen. I open the fridge door, and there is a clear bottle of water. I go and grab that bottle. Now, you've got to understand, in the circum sold water bottles, um, because we drank so much water, and particularly in summer, we needed cold water, we'd take used uh, bottles of milk uh, or orange juice, emptied once they'd been used, fill them up with water, stick them in the fridge. That was just what we did. Anyway, I saw one of these used bottles go to the fridge, grab it. I take it out, go to the bench, grab the largest glass Uh, that I can and I fill it up with, fill up the contents, I am so thirsty. We all know this feeling. I'm ready for a long, cold drink of water. I take the glass and I just start chugging as fast as I can. I'm about halfway through drinking the contents when I realize that I am drinking white vinegar. I can't tell you, it just hit, you know, it just the, the sour hit as it's going down my, down my throat. It just, it was horrific. And that, those contents came out just as fast as they went down all over the kitchen. It was disgusting. I can't, I can't, I can't even handle the smell of vinegar anymore. It is just, I can't put, it. like in the UK, when I was living in the UK, they would put vinegar on hot chips like, what's the go with that? No, it's not great. It ruins it. It makes me want to gag. I can't deal with it. Just the sour, fermented bitterness, I still remember. It still makes me feel sick. The reality is, is that bitterness, bitterness is unforgiveness fermented. Bitterness is unforgiveness that is fermented. And the reality is, is that bitterness cannot just stay inside us. It must come out, and it does come out. It affects who we are. It affects everything that we are. And it affects the relationships around us. It just does. Bitterness works its way out. And this morning, we're going to look at a story that Jesus tells to his disciples As a way of understanding how we are to forgive and why we are to forgive so that we are not enslaved by the power of unforgiveness, the power of resentment, and the power of bitterness. So we're going to open up our Bibles, if you can, if you've got it with you. We're going to have it on the screen behind me as well, if you don't, to Matthew chapter 18. We're going to read this story that Jesus tells. Matthew 18, starting at verse 21 and reading through to verse 35. So if you've got your Bibles, go to that now, digital device, just tap uh, to that place. If not, read along behind me. The Parable of the Unmerciful Servant. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times or it could also be read 70 times 7. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold, which is about 20 years worth of wage. That's how much we're talking about. 10,000 bags of gold, which is about 20 years wage, was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. So it's a lot less. In today's range, that would be well, it's about three months worth of pay. Twenty years, three months. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or your sister from your heart. You know, the reality is is that we all experience relational hurt. We have been created as relational beings. You know, we're created for a relationship. You want to go right back to the beginning when we read the story of the Garden of Eden. We see Adam is all alone and God looks at him and says, you need a friend. You are created for a relationship because you're created in my image and I am a relational God. You need a friend. And so Eve is created and together they, be, they are the quintessentially human to be in relationship. We are created for a relationship. If you continue to read the story, I'm sure many of you are familiar with it. Adam and Eve are tempted by the serpent who says, you know what? You should eat that fruit that's in the middle of the garden that you were told not to eat. The fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because if you do, you will be like God. You'll be in control of your own destiny. And so what they do, Adam and Eve, they put themselves at the center of the story. They take the fruit. They eat it. They say, it's about me now. And what happens is, is we as selfish beings, when we put ourselves at the center of the story, we say, I am in control, I am in charge, I am my own God. What we do is we reject the other. We reject God, we see that in the story, and we reject the other. They go into a blame game. And we see this worked out. This is our story. We are relational beings, we are created for a relationship, but relationship is broken. And so we hurt one another, we bang up against one another, we experience hurt and often we experience hurt from those who are closest to us, those who are most dear to us, from our spouses, our partners, our family, our friends, those that we work with. And you see, when we, when we are hurt, there is this perception. And I think the word perception is important because often the hurt that we feel is unintended. Or it's because it's the way that we've interpreted. Not always, but often it's a perception. a perception. And this is how we feel. We feel hurt. When we're lied to, when we're cheated, when we feel like we've been ridiculed or rejected, when we feel like we've been betrayed, when we feel like we've been discriminated against, we feel like we've been persecuted or we've been, we feel like we've been uh, treated with malice or vindictiveness. And we feel as a result of that hurt, this deep sense of injustice. See, when we are hurt, there is, there is a natural response then of injustice. How dare they do that to me? How dare they take that from me? You see, there's this sense of, of stealing, of honour, this stealing of relationship. You know, if, it, if it's a financial value or something like that, someone's actually done, a, done something in that sense, then we've actually lost material value. But there's this sense of injustice that rises up in us. And resentment can build and resentment does build as we we feel this sense of hurt. We feel this sense of injustice. We feel this sense of resentment and it builds and it builds and it grows and it grows and it ferments and it ferments. And all the while we have made a choice and we've said, you know what? If I feel better, if I feel bitter, it'll make it better. If I feel bitter, it'll make it better. And that is the lie that we believe. Bitterness leads to making it better. And that's the lie. And so we carry around this heavy burden of bitterness. And it's, it's really bizarre how we feel. When we feel this injustice, we feel it's this strange sense of power. You know, we feel powerful in a strange way when someone's done us wrong and we hold it against them. It feels like we're like the master in this story. You know, we're the one who's, that they owe me a debt now. They took something from me. They owe it to me. Now, whether I get it off them or not, I don't know. But I'm going to make them pay in some way. And I'm going to hold it against them because they owe it to me. You see what happens is this strange sense of power. We feel this power. We also feel this sense of self-righteousness with bitterness. Oh, I would never do that to somebody else. How dare they do that to, to me, their friend or their family member or their spouse or whatever it is. I would never do that. I am far more righteous than that. And so what we do is we pick up this sin. We pick up this bitterness and we carry it around with us. And we hold on to it and we keep it tight. And see, this is how bitterness works. I know in my own uh, times where I felt this way, it all, it's like a warm hug. It's like a warm hug. We hold the bitterness to us. I feel better now that I, I, I just stew on it. I think on it for a little bit longer. I feel a little bit better. Just kind of hold it close to my chest. Just keep it there. The reality is is that bitterness has a way of enslaving us. We walk around and we carry this bitterness with us and over time it begins to control us. It begins begins to dictate how we see the world and how we do things. You know Jesus in this story is brutal. You know when he addresses the guy at the end who refuses to forgive he says take you, you will be taken away to the jail where you will be continually tortured. You see what Jesus is saying? He's saying unforgiveness that leads to bitterness will ultimately torture you. It will torture you. It will hold you down. It will torture you. It affects us. Bitterness affects us. It affects us in really deep ways. It affects us by tiring us out. It wears us out. I don't know about you, but when I've gone through times where I really want to hold on to unforgiveness... My mind is just consumed with it. I'm thinking about it all the time. Whenever that person comes to my mind, I'm thinking about how righteous you know, I am compared to them or how undeserving they are of grace. Or I think about you know, how can I get them back? How can I justify myself? What are the words that I can use next time I see them? Or how can I drive this for a little bit more so that they pay? We get consumed. Our minds are consumed. We continue to think about it takes it, it tires us out it's wearing before you go to bed at night you're thinking about it when you wake up in the morning you're thinking about it it tires you out it also steals your joy see that the, the fruit of a sour person bit, see, bitterness sours you and it makes you cynical you see the world in a cynical way it steals your joy it, ta- it knocks you off the purpose that w- of what you're created for because you begin to think about these other things you get consumed You forget about why you're created, you forget about the purpose that you're, you're there, and you actually begin to see yourself in a different light, not in the way that God has you. And there's a very practical reality, and psychologists will say this, that actually bitterness affects your health. You know, psychologists will point to bitterness as a source for anxiety, stress, depression, back pain, headaches, stomach complaints all because of unresolved issues, unresolved hurt, resentment, and pain. It steals your joy. The impact it has, not just on you, well, there is a great impact, but it also impacts on your relationships with others. Because the reality is, is that hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt, we carry this baggage around, we keep it close to our heart, we're defended we don't let anyone in. We don't let anyone close. And we walk around with a cynical, defended attitude. Now, you probably know some of these people. They're in our workplaces, they're in our friendship groups. They walk in with this bitter, cynical scent to them, and it impacts everything. Do you know what I'm talking about? There, you, you know, some of you may work with these people. You know, you might be one of these people. You just don't know it yet. And the Lord wants to free you today. The reality is that we bounce around and, and, and we carry this bitterness and, and, and our bitterness grows. The bitterness grows and we, we, we take more on. So, for example, this is how it could work. Jimmy, I'm going to get you to get a bag, mate. James, has, James hasn't asked me to, uh, to come down and lead worship recently. I, 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 I hear along, along the grapevine that it's because he thinks I'm a rubbish singer. Yeah, you know, there's been a bit of whispering, and oh, you know what? It's probably true. You know, James and I, he, he just, I don't know, he looks at me sometimes, weird, and uh, he, he's not letting me have a go. I reckon that's true. He doesn't think I'm a good singer, and he's not letting me on team. I take that that's bitterness, and that takes, and he just doesn't. So I take that on. I'm going to carry that around. It's not true. I know, James. I know you think I'm a fantastic singer. I carry it around. That bitterness begins to multiply. You know, Ron Main. I hear Ron, I've been to Ron Main's birthday parties five years in a row. I hear he's got he, he does these great birthday parties. I didn't get an invite this year. I hear that, I hear that he doesn't like me anymore. You know, he hasn't invited me. So I I am actually I am actually not gonna, you know, Ron wasn't actually having a birthday party this year. He's he's hit 50 and, and he's gonna have something with his family. But I don't know that. I perceive it. Remember, perceive it. I take this bitterness on. And we carry it around. And I can tell you now, I'm starting to feel pretty exhausted. (laughs) But this is what we walk with. I, I am now completely defended. No one can get close to me. I'm consumed with this. I'm thinking about how in the world am I going to preach the rest of my sermon carrying this. I'm tired. But I'm not letting it go. It makes me feel good. That's how bitterness works. We carry it around. And it enslaves us and it tires us. But the truth of the reality is, is that we have a different story. We're invited into a different story. Because Jesus comes to set us free from bitterness. He forgives us. He offers us forgiveness. The reality is, and we see this in the story as we read this story, we see a king. Who do you think Jesus is referring to? This king, this master is referring to himself. This profound truth of grace. There's a man who owes $1.6 million, 20 years of wage. He can't pay it back. Jesus is saying, you know what? I am King, I am Lord, and each one of you are in debt. Far more than 20 years wage. The reality is that we have all rejected God. We have sinned time and time and time again. There is nothing that can pay back the debt that we owe God. And Jesus says, you know what? I am merciful. I am gracious. And if you come to me and ask for forgiveness... I will wipe the slate clean. That is the profound truth of the cross. You see, God needed to show us a way. With any forgiveness, there is, there is a, a cost. You know, if, you, if someone owes you 20 grand and they can't pay it back and you forgive them, who wears the cost? You do. God needed to show in some way that there was a cost and it needed to be paid but he took it on himself. He reveals it and he shows it through his son Jesus Christ, who came and lived the perfect life and died the perfect death for us, us who deserve death. That is the truth of the cross. The cross is seen. God's work through the cross, through Jesus, is seen in reconciliation in reconciliation terms. It is relational. God has made a way so that we can be free in relationship with Him. And so the truth that we need to take hold of is that we can receive, we are offered forgiveness. We are offered forgiveness and we need to take hold of the fact that we can be free. We can be free from resentment and pain. And all of that when we take hold of the truth that we have been offered forgiveness through the King, through Jesus. But to take hold of that truth, we need to let go. We're offered to let go of the bitterness, the resentment and the pain. And when God forgives us, we are able to forgive others and our bitterness is washed away. Our bitterness is washed away. It's the truth that we get to take hold of. Our hands, my hands now, I'm feeling a lot lighter, i got to be honest with you. That was a good workout. I am now free. I'm now free to receive, but I'm also now free to embrace you. The reality is that I have been forgiven, and if I receive hurt, People come to me and and there is is something that I perceive or take on. I am now free to forgive. I am free to embrace. I am free to love. Now, I don't want to say, you know what? Forgiveness is easy, guys. You Just just do it. Just forgive everybody. It's fine. I would not be honest or truthful with you. The reality is, is that forgiveness is really hard. Forgiveness requires humility. It requires a step of saying, you know what, I am not going to hold that power over you anymore. What you did to me, I no longer hold. You know, that, that takes great humility. That takes a lot of courage. Let me tell you, it's a lot harder to forgive than it is to seek vengeance. It's a lot harder. It's deeply humbling. It's deeply sacrificial. As we see at the cross, God makes the ultimate sacrifice by coming down to earth and dying. I I, I I don't even know how to explain it. It is the profound wonder and the mystery of the cross. There is a sacrifice. There is always a sacrifice that is attached to to forgiveness. But when we do, we are free. We see three, see things through the lens of the cross now. Jesus says to Peter, he says, when Peter asks, how many times am I to forgive? Jesus goes, 70 times seven. You know, it's not a number. It's not like Jesus going, okay, get out your calculator and figure out what 70 times seven is. What Jesus is saying is, you need to forgive infinitum. This is now your posture. This is now a posture of grace. You now see everything through the lens of the cross. So what are some of the steps that we can take in forgiveness? What are some of the ways in which we can journey towards forgiveness? You know, a lot of the things that we're doing in this series correlate with what psychologists would say. Identify the lie. Take hold of the truth. Walk in the spirit. You know, firstly, we need to identify the source of bitterness. You know, bitterness has, you know, for many of us, has sat there for a long time. It's just been pressed down, pressed down. It may be a moment that took place many, 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 many years ago. And it's taken hold. It's fermented in our hearts. And then it's grown branches. And it's attached other events and other issues and other encounters and ways in which we We've seen the world and they've grown and they've grown and they've grown. You know, there is something so freeing about coming to the cross. There is so, something so freeing about knowing that we don't need to carry this anymore. As you sit here now, let me encourage you, be open and honest and real with yourself. Identify where is the source of bitterness and identify where is the source of the lie that you're living under. Secondly, take hold of the truth. Change your thinking. Change the way in which you see things. See things now through the vision of the cross. The cross where God sees you and says, I love you and I've forgiven you. You are mine. You are precious. You are my child. Change the way that you think. Allow the spirit to work in your heart. Take hold of the truth. Take hold of the truth. You know, we've been going through memory verses, um, as as Donna was saying before. The memory verse for this week is a long one. Ephesians chapter 4, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. We take hold of that truth. It changes the way that we think. Another way that we can, we, can, we can work and do this journey of letting go and allowing bitterness to, to be free from us is by sitting down and write. Psychologists will say, sometimes you just need to write that letter. Write a letter to that person or write about that situation. And we're going to have an opportunity in a moment to do that. Now, that's not a letter that's posted or given. That is an opportunity for you to actually begin to speak out the truth and then allow God to minister to you. Doing that journey and then walking in a new way. Whatever that looks like. Not allowing the bitterness or the the hurt that comes our way to hold on. You know, there was a moment a, a few months ago where someone said something innocently. It was a miscommunication to me. I was deeply offended I was I was really hurt it wasn't intended but I probably couldn't see that at the time and and like I do and I think of the way that it works a lot of the times I went home and I mulled and I stewed and I thought about the different things that I was going to say the different actions that I was going to take to make make sure that the that this issue was rectified I talked it through with with my wife and I just sat on it. I went to bed that night and I just couldn't sleep. I was sitting, Do you know what I'm talking about? You stew, you sit. I knew I was going to be seeing that person the next day. And as I was driving into work, the Spirit of God spoke to me. And I remembered the words of Jesus who said, pray for those who persecute you. Now, there was no way that this person was persecuting me but I was challenged by the thought that I need to pray for this person. God, will you change my heart? Will you change my heart? Help me to pray because I know and I tell you what, as soon as I started praying for that person, all the power, the fear, all my bitterness and all my insecurities, often it's about insecurity this bitterness stuff began to strip away as I began to see that person and myself in a new light. You see, when we come to the cross, God changes our perspective. He changes our position and he changes our desire for power. It's profound. And that's the encouragement. That's the call as we walk in the truth, as we take hold of the fact that we are forgiven by Jesus and we are, to, we are set free so that we can forgive others. The power of bitterness goes. We are set free from that power. And we are called to be a people who free others. Let me tell you, just just like hurt people hurt people, freed people free people. Freed people free people. And that is who we are as a church. We are called to be a freed people who love and free others. Why did Peter ask the question, how many times should I forgive somebody else? Seven times? I think he was trying to be generous. Well, what happened before that? Well, the immediately before that, Jesus is teaching on how, how believers and followers should do conflict together, how they should conflict well together. And Jesus is talking about the, the right channels and the ways in which we find restitution. And so Peter's starting to think about this okay, how then are we, you know, how many times should, should I forgive? And really Jesus is probably going, oh my goodness, do you, do you not get this? The reality is that we are erratic we are we should be a radical community of faith who meets around the cross I know I know that there are there are many hurt people in churches I know that there are many people who have been hurt by churches i 'd imagine you might be one of those people who have been hurt by other churches you 've been really hurt by Manny. I know because he is a really hurtful person I 'm joking that's a joke that's, a, that's serious as a joke um, but, but you know, from other churches, this church is wonderful. You'd never never find hurt here or bit in this here. We pick these things up, and the reality is, is as a Christian community, we should be a radical community of faith. A radical community of grace. A radical community that meets around the cross, that sees everybody else through the lens of the cross and thinks the best of one another. And has the courage and the commitment. To say when you're hurt, to say, hey, hey, do you know you really hurt me with that? Let's do this journey. And even if there is not full reconciliation, we do not live under the power of bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment, but we live in the freedom of the cross, which demands us to forgive the other whether or not they receive that forgiveness. It's profound, and it sets us free. You know, I reckon bitterness sits in the hearts of many people. It just simmers away. It simmers away. And we live with it. We live with it. It informs our security, our identity, our future. Oh, may it not be the case for us. May we be a free people. Let me ask you today, what are you holding on to? Is there anything that you are holding on to that is stopping you? That is stopping you from fully knowing the truth of God's love? and is stopping you from forgiving the other. Are you carrying bitterness, hugging bitterness like it's a warm blanket? Are you tired? Are you being controlled by these emotions and by these feelings? I'd love for us to to have a couple of responses this morning. Firstly, I'd love to give an opportunity for anybody who may not know the forgiveness and love of Jesus. I want to create an opportunity now so that people can respond if that's you. Then what we're going to do is I'm going to create just some space, as James comes and plays, for us just to write. And I've put down just some sheets of paper uh, with with one of the verses I read up the top. And just to create a little bit of space, maybe you want to write a prayer. Maybe you want to write a letter. Maybe you want to just describe a situation. Just as a way of actually saying to God, this is out. I am not going to be fr- I'm not going to be bound by this, this situation, this scenario, this person, whatever it is. And then what we're going to do is we're going to create an opportunity where we get to come to the cross. and We get to drop our stuff. You can tear it up, um, scrunch it up, whatever, and just throw it at the foot of the cross. We're going to throw it in this bin here. No one's going to read it. I'm going to put these in here as well because this is where they belong. Bitterness. I want you to come and just, and I'll let you know, and just come and just throw it in there as a sign of saying, I am free of this. I'm not going to carry this anymore. Before we get to that, I'd love to create some space uh, for us. If any of you have, do not know the forgiveness that is found in Jesus this morning. Maybe you've been coming to church for a little while. Maybe this is your first time and you are longing for something. You want that forgiveness. You are carrying around the weight of sin the weight of your own reality, the weight of your own insecurities, and you don't know what to do with it, let me tell you that God loves you. He died for you, and He offers you freedom and life. Hey, so just where we are in this place right now, I want to ask you just to close your eyes, bow your head, just across this room. Close your eyes, bow your head. And if there is anyone here, And you would say, you know what, I haven't received that forgiveness from Jesus. I haven't accepted, I haven't let go and opened my hands. I haven't received that forgiveness. Just in this place right now with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you want to receive that this morning, step into a wonderful life of freedom and relationship with God. Just stick your hand up right where you are. Anyone just across this room, I want to give this a little bit of space. Have the courage just to stick your hand up and say, I want that forgiveness. I want that freedom. Just one more moment. Anybody in this place? That's cool. I just believe that this this series set free is is hitting uh, all of us, but even those who are who are yet to make that step of faith. If you're not in that place yet, keep coming, keep doing the journey, keep seeking God. Hey, why don't you can open your eyes now? James is going to come and play. There should be pens. Oh, James is playing. He's already here. Um, miraculous. Um, James is going to play and and sing over us this morning. Just for the final few moments, I'd love to create some space for you. Come on, have some courage, have some boldness. Maybe write a letter, write some words, write some names, whatever you need to do just to get out some of the stuff maybe that's been compacted down in your heart for a long time that you've been holding on to. I believe that God's wanting to free us this morning. So just as James plays, come on there are things that you need to write down, things that you need to let go of. Let's begin to put pen to paper. It can be really short. It can be really long. Probably not too long because you've only got a few moments. continue to write, allow the Spirit of God just to prompt you. This is a spiritual activity. This is just not like going through the motions. Allow the Spirit of God just to speak to your heart. Revealing things maybe that you've forgotten. Revealing things that maybe you've just been pushing away, that you've been trying to ignore, but it just keeps coming up when you see that person, when you find yourself in that place. It comes back again. You you just don't know how to deal with it or You either attack or you retreat. It's dominating you. It's controlling you. It's filling you with fear, with anger. Hey, keep writing if that's if you need to. We're gonna we're gonna worship, and just when you're ready, when you're ready, I'm gonna encourage you just to come forward, and just at the foot of this cross that the guys made up for us, just throw it in this big bin, tear it up, scrunch it up, do whatever you want, fold it up, turn it into paper airplane. I don't care, but it's a sign for you of saying you know what? I am letting go. I'm letting go, and I'm receiving again the grace of God so that I can forgive the other and live in freedom. It's just when you're ready, calm down. Why don't we, shall we stand? If, unless you're writing, if, you can, if, you're, if you're still writing, just keep sitting. We're going to worship. And if you would love prayer, there are still things. I, I, if I can get the prayer team just to be around here, and you just come to one of these guys and say, I'd love to receive some extra prayer, then please do take that up. Let's worship, let's sing, let's respond.